You are the VP of scheduling for a general contractor and you need more people to satisfy the work that you've won on the books. Solve the problem. Hi everyone, Happy New Year. Welcome to the Beyond Deadlines podcast where we tackle challenges that planning and schedule leaders come across on a day-to-day basis. My name is Greg Lawton and I'm the CEO of an AI schedule management company called Nodes and Links. I'm Micah Pipo, a planning and scheduling manager for Intel. Each podcast is designed to give you strategies and tactics that you can implement right away. And today, Micah is in the hot seat and we're poking the bear. Micah, you are the VP of scheduling for a general contractor and you need more people to satisfy the work that you've won on the books. Solve the problem. I'm just glad that I'm I'm vice president, and as my first act, I'm going to go on holiday for three weeks, uh, <laughs> and I will be thinking about this problem. So it's been a great podcast, everyone. Have a great new year. I will see you in three weeks. <laughs> what projects are we building? What's the program like? What are we getting into? You are building, uh, let's make it wicked. Let's say that the business winning teams in your organization have won a number of repetitive utility contracts and a large, uh, a large complex build. Let's say it's a manufacturing build, one that you've never done before. So you've got a billion dollar, that's a billion dollar complex project. And you've got $10 million utilities projects that you've done a lot. Okay. What's the... What is the makeup of the team currently? The makeup of the team is you've got uh, five scheduling leads. Each of them has a span of control, let's say, of five people. Plus, you've got uh, three support staff. So you've got one software and tools, one training uh, and uh, systems, and one learning spaces and portfolio management. Understood. Any budget uh, constraints or spending constraints? In this scenario, uh, let's say, let's actually go wild and go, no, but profit is a massive driver. So if you spend, you got to earn. Gotcha. Any other cultural, you know, company culture? process oriented thing, anything that like is also sitting there that may, you know, are they actually, let me rephrase the question. What sort of scheduling company is this? And I'll make it easy for you. Is it a, uh, you know, they want to see the reports and the end product of it. Are they an owner that is in the weeds, you know, looking for optimizations and want to be a part of the planning and scheduling process? So, so this is a this is a company. Let's say all these projects are local. This is a local company that has been built up over the years um, by a bottoms up approach. So there is general consistency in how they do their scheduling and planning and reporting, but that that is not mandated from the top. That's kind of been brought up to the bottom, so it isn't captured in process systems tools and training. Um, there are somewhat standardized reports that that people do but the big thing is that the schedulers 
used to be superintendents and that's how they've developed them. It's people who understood the works that this company have done for at least five to 10 years. And they've moved into the planning and scheduling route, obviously, because this company takes it's a GC that takes on fixed and variable price contracts. So liquidated damages are a thing for late birth delivery. So they've taken their most experienced superintendents and put them on scheduling and cost side. Okay. Yeah. And I'm assuming if they're on the 10 projects or the, the, the project, the portfolio side that has loads of different projects, they are going to be the owner or the client for that project is going to be some sort of government municipality. Yes. Let's let's say that all the utilities are government municipalities, and let's say this big complex project is one of the foot one of the uh, SNP one hundred. Ooh, mm. I like it. The first thing I would look at is I would reframe this instead of a scheduling problem or project controls problem. I would look at this as a manufacturing problem. I would look at inputs, process, and outputs. So I would go through just high level. What are the sorts of processes and steps that we're doing on the planning and scheduling side? And what are the inputs, the process, and the outputs? You want to keep this high level because people will get buried or dive way too far in the weeds and you'll spend years mapping out all your processes and newsflash, they're going to change. So the first thing I do is do an analysis to see where are we at with these? And then what are the gaps on the resourcing side? You mentioned superintendents. So my thought process initially would be you're going to see gaps on the output reporting, the data analysis. You know, no offense to superintendents out there, but they're going to be really strong at helping to manage the projects, helping to drive the work forward, helping to do the daily project updates and the daily status updates. And there may be a gap there where they're spending more time for reporting the advanced analysis, pro pulling up stuff into a program. And that that's my first step would be, let's do that analysis. Let's go through what are the inputs? What are the processes? What are the outputs? Beautiful. Then let's let's probe on that. Let's let's use the eighty twenty rule. What what in your opinion do you think are going to are going to make up eighty percent of the work of one of these superintendent schedulers? Knee jerk reaction would be they sit in the schedule status update meetings, they're gathering their status, they're re-updating their schedules, and then exporting that information out and trying to create data analytics or send that up to the program so you can look at overall project reporting. The stuff that's going to take longer is the stuff that's going to be outside of people's wheelhouse. Beautiful. And then let, let's say, just to give you more information, let's say that Sitting in project update meetings and updating the schedule takes them eight hours a week and they're working a 40-hour week. Let's say that turning that into data analytics for various reports across the board, things like general project updating is another eight to 16 hours, so it's two days. And let's say that more advanced things like uh, acceleration simulations, QSRAs, 
and delay and disruption analysis just aren't being done. Yeah. So question, how does that change how you would approach the inputs, process, outputs? Well, I think that's going to drive massively how, how I'm going to approach it. And, it. and what I would do is I'm taking those sets that you gave me. And if we're not doing the end piece of it, I think that's the highest value add probably to the program. And what I would then look at is here, okay, what are my options to then go fill those gaps of what we're not doing? And how do we reduce time as well, potentially? And you really only have a couple different options. The first option would be to hire more full-time people and bring in more full-time people to do that. Your second option would then be to bring in consultants to do that. And your third option would then be a mix of both, but try and figure out how to uh, like optimize or automate those processes. You know, And so to me, that would really be going into an ROI cost-benefit. If it were me, on that analysis and reporting piece, I would probably look to starting some sort of consultancy managed service. If you're not doing something already, it's kind of hard to assume you're gonna hire a full-time person and make that part now your company when it's really not part of your culture, your processes, the way you do business. And, it, and you need to approach it as a bit of an experiment. You know, Start small, have a nice hypothesis and build up after that. So I would look towards first getting it seems like you have a healthy progressing piece. How do I get the superintendents doing a less of the reporting and analysis, uh, the, the number inputting and the data crunching out, and then be able to bring them back in in an in a, in a intelligent way for that project acceleration risk analysis? Because you're going to want the people who are close to the project involved in that sort of analysis, because then they're the people who go back and influence the project. But to probe, to get... To be very specific about what you're talking about here, what you're talking about is, is enabling the people that you already have to focus more on what they excel at by bringing in an, a capability, either people that you hire, people that are consultants or whatever, to focus on other elements of work that they excel at. And I'll separate this into what I'll call contextual work. So sitting in meetings, talking with the superintendents on the program, talking with the project director, updating schedules and, and plans, talking with the client. And the other element, which is context agnostic, which is data processing and analysis. For example, nobody needs to know any context to create an S-curve if they're given the rules of how you create the S-curve, you just do it. So what, what you're saying actually is you wouldn't just do the same model and get more superintendents and, and higher up. We haven't talked about how many you need, but for sake of principle, let's say you've got 25 on the ground and you need 50, the equivalent of 50 people. You wouldn't just hire up and train. What you're saying is you take those 25, reduce their workload so they can cover more, and then bringing people that could do the other tasks. Yeah, exactly. I think that's the that's the the easy part of it, and that gets very challenging. You got to look at what some of the hardest problems you're going to face are. So the first I'd mentioned on the bringing in full time employees, that's creating an entirely new team and an entirely new processes. It's going to be very challenging. When you bring in consultants, the problem with their model, and it's been this way forever is that you're paying someone full time 
to sit there to create what you want for that output. So you mentioned that S-curve. I have to pay someone to come into my company to sit there to then learn how to do all of that sort of things just to create an S-curve report. And all I really want is the S-curve report. And that's a big, I mean, that's just a big hurdle. And and then, it, I mean, it, the consultants provide a lot of different values. You know, they can help uh, with your constraints. So if you have resource constraints, they can scale up and down. They can bring people in. You can build up little mini knowledge centers with them. You know, they provide a whole ton of value. But oftentimes when you're looking at situations like this and how you have it teed up and you're just maybe looking for some of those reports and some of those automations, I think to me for a hour per hour worked, you're probably going to pay a lot more bringing in a full-time person or bringing in a consultant. And it's just the way the world works right now. There's not really another option. Is the... Just probing a bit more on that. So the way that consultants' business model work is they charge by the hour. How do you reconcile that as the head of VP of scheduling, the fact that it is in their incentive to be less efficient, to earn more money, versus you wanting work done fast, on, uh, fast at low cost, high quality, et cetera? How do you reconcile, how, how do you motivate someone other than just um, qualitatively? Think about a lot of the, this is a problem that goes throughout the construction industry. Think about how general contractors are incentivized many times. They can make more time, more money often if the project is delayed, if they're still getting paid their overheads. And there aren't big, you know, LD teeth in the contract that's, that's going to completely, you know, strip out everything, but they get to keep rolling and they get to make all their overheads as they keep going. It's so it's something that is, I think, very built into project delivery, where if you're a person and you're on a project, it doesn't really help for you the project to end. And so there's that, that incentivization structure, right? The closest I've got is when you set up your managed services. Uh, you have to put in sorts of, you start paying for the processes that help you. So you say, if you set up these sorts of things, Mr. Consultancy, Miss Consultancy, you're going to come in. I need your help. These are the outputs I want to see. And you'd somehow figure out how to tie their incentives to those outputs. And they're usually done through supplier reviews. So I'm going to score you on how you're doing. And these are the things I'm going to score you on. And to me, what I would look at is how well they're setting up the processes and then how are the outputs meeting my needs the, the, I'm, just the rub push, is, I'm gonna push this yeah, all go i'm gonna push this all the way um why can't you just pay for the output like we've done it we've done a podcast i think last time or the time before on on productizing project management why can't you just say i'll pay you two grand per project progress report that you make and you just define what exactly you want and you just you just turn it into a manufacturing wheel turning house you can do that you just gotta find the right partners to go do it with I, I, to me that's one of the ways in this scenario you would really be able to get over that curve of lack of talent and then do it in a way that doesn't overburden the project on costs doesn't create a scenario where you're over reliant on someone or a company i mean that's a lot of things that over the industry, if you've been in it long enough, you'll see consultants that work for companies for 20, 
25 years mm -hmm. and they become so ingrained in the processes that they cannot actually leave because the, the company like has lost the know-how to go do what they're doing. It's, it's weird and you, you stumble upon it. I think mean, if you're in that position where you can set it up that way, I mean, it makes sense, Greg. So, so in our scenario, then you need the equivalent of 50 people. What, what you've said so far is that 50 people really can actually be broken down into a whole host of jobs and outputs that need doing part of these jobs and outputs are very contextual on the project and you know, we've, we haven't been specific, but we're assuming here that the 25 that we already have can do all of those. And then there's a, a bunch of work. Let's say it's the equivalent of 25 people that can be productized into uh, reporting and analysis tasks. And then we've talked about potentially bringing in consultants to do that, hiring up or another solution, which is just buying them off the shelf if they were available. What else would you think about in terms of scaling up for these projects, given that 10 are utilities, repetitive that you've done before, and one is complex that you haven't done before? Yeah, we're, we're going to have to shoot an entire episode or two to three episodes if you want to get into the, the weeds on some of these. But on the repetitive side, there are so many steps that you can take to reduce the workload off of people. So the first part is if they're repetitive projects, you just have that whole project management flow completely templatized and streamed. A person goes into whatever your project management software is, clicks a button, it starts a new project. If they're if they're templatized, they should enter minimal information and then output here is the project schedule, here's the project cost, here's the project permitting log, here's the change order log, here's the risk management log. Mm -hmm. And it completely eliminate people's, I have to go recreate information. All of that data should f feed the project lifecycle and then come back into when you go create a new project. So if you have a standard 30-day duration on the project or 100-day duration on the project, you're going to be taking your actuals on those projects, and then you're going to be pumping them back in at the beginning to understand, are these 100-day projects? And you're probably going to have a couple different subsets of projects. You know, it'd be like, oh, we're putting a utility in a brownfield site that's already been built on. That's probably a shorter day duration. Oh, this is a greenfield site. That's probably a longer duration, you know, more expensive, you know, so the cost would balance out higher risk. So you'd have those categories, and then you'd be adjusting those. When you go into then, hey, we're going to build this new project, you're going to want to go spend enormous amounts of money on the front end to figure out what you don't know. Because if you're running that little machine that's just pumping out projects, if you go to do a mega project, all that stuff you're doing isn't gonna translate very well to the big project. So then you're gonna wanna then look at, all right, here's how we're gonna set up our scheduling team, our planning team, bring in a lot more help. And on those, you know, there's, there's a lot more angles I would go down. Right. I'm, I'd probably be flying drones. I'm going to be doing 360 job site walks. I'm going to be looking more into the uh, like job site productivity on the mm -hmm. install rates. Uh, I'm going to be developing a much more robust commissioning plan. It's just how you would approach any large greenfield mega project. 
you're going to want to get your ducks in a row. Your contracts are going to be, I mean, the whole, it's just a whole new world. And I, you know, and I could go on for hours about well, everything let's, let's you need to do that. to set up that. Let's leave but that on the optimization the side. Yeah. But on the optimization side, what we're talking about, you would, I would be as a VP, I, I would actually make it so I'm trying to get this optimized, the, the repeatable program. I'm trying to get this optimized as fast as possible so we can focus on the greenfield. Because the worst mm-hmm. thing that could happen is if we got three to four months in and I have a burning fire on this utility project and this is going on and I'm trying to like, you know, go both ways, it's not going to, it's not going to work. So I would focus on how can I get that thing streamlined? I, was, I would try and get that streamlined as fast as possible, pay what I could to get it dialed in and then go focus on the bigger project. Got it. So we actually moved on to another topic there, which was portfolio portfolio management, but we'll leave it there. So I actually think I was trying to trap you um, and the listeners of this might smile. I don't know. I was trying to trap you, but you do, you dodge those like dodgeballs. Um, and the trap that I was setting was that um, I gave a people problem saying you don't have enough people to satisfy the work. And I said, solve the problem. Someone who's unfamiliar with this would have then started going down the people route. The question was never about people. The question was about the work, and this is actually a big lesson that I'd like everyone to take away from this. You you create jobs to do work that you already have to do. You don't create work to give people jobs. So this was that was the trap I was trying to set, and I'm glad you didn't fall in it. And then you went even further into... Well, I'm going to separate this work out. This is how I was going to structure it. People will have their own opinions on how they want to structure it. I think the repetition is a very key aspect because what what you automate, you can uh, reduce. So standardization, repetition equals lower cost and more speed. And then you can then we started talking about you taking potential. I'm going to put words in your mouth here, but essentially getting the utilities job sorted so you could take the best people and throw them on the more complex jobs. So with that, thank you very much, Micah. I think we've got a couple more topics to go into. For everyone listening, if you have enjoyed today, please like and share. And if you would like us to go against a different different scenario, one that you've thought up, please message us. We've had quite a bit of fun with people messaging us with scenarios that actually have done quite a lot of podcasts. So come up with your own idea and we'll give you, we'll attribute it to you. With that, have a great week.